the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. For sports fans, there's no better place to get breaking news, real time sports, and live commentary than The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track today for 40% off your first year subscription. And of course, it is fantasy time. It is NBA offseason time. It is NFL regular season time right around the corner. So plenty to talk about. All the roster cuts that we've been logging at Spot Track are being broken down word for word on The Athletic, on their podcast networks. Pretty much their entire system is built for you. Personalize the app with your favorite teams and leagues. It's ad-free, and it really does not break your bank to get this kind of coverage every single day. Theathletic.com slash Spot Track get you started. And of course, our friends at Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment, providing financial solutions for athletes, including prospective draft athletes, right? If you're looking to get inside these leagues, the NBA, the NFL specifically, this is the kind of company that can give you the financial solution, protect you, lay out a plan, help you understand how it's going to work, give you the knowledge you need, and put the put together the presentation of how this is all going to work from your signing bonus straight down to your, your big payday. And speaking of big paydays, we'll be talking about that in just a few minutes. But morganstanley.com slash GSE get you started in that regard. morganstanley.com slash GSE. Happy Wednesday. My name is Mike Giannetti. Just hopping off the soccer field in a rainy western New York. Time to talk dynasty fantasy football once again in this open. I promised you I would go kind of position by position this week. Started with the quarterbacks on Monday, if you haven't heard that one yet. Um, I gave a pretty thorough breakdown of who could be up for a big-time average salary change in the next 18 months or so, and for some, much less. Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, who knows, right? If you're getting good value out of your quarterback right now in your, in your salary cap fantasy league, there's about a dozen quarterbacks who I think could flip that switch pretty soon. So if you missed that, that was Monday's episode. Today, in the next couple of minutes here, I'm going to break down the running back class. Um, who's up for extensions, big and small, who could be pushing their way off of a roster, which always means new contract, of course, and, and, and a change in pace for your fantasy roster. Um, you know, just kind of giving a heads up here as to who you should either, either can think, think about building your roster around, right? If it's going to be the next $16 million running back in the league, you better maneuver accordingly with the rest of your roster. Or is it time to trade that player before it hits, before you have to adjust on the fly? Is it time to move on from a McCaffrey, from a Barkley, those kind of players? So that'll be next. And then, of course, with the next episode, probably Friday afternoon, I will give you running or, uh, wide receivers, a big list of wide receivers. And I think what I'll do is I'll make that a double segment and I'll tie in tight ends with that group because the, uh, the pass catchers as a whole, there could be a lot of movement here. A lot of players under contract that I think are going to talk their way out of the current contract and into bigger fish. That market, you know, not so much the tight end market, which is still at about the $16 million mark, but that wide receiver market could could be approaching $30 million in the next couple of seasons, especially with the cap jump. So uh, look out for that. You know, if that's going to be 8 9 10% of your salary cap in your fantasy league, look out for the top tier or, or the highly drafted rookies, right? The, the first rounders who could be hitting major extensions in the next year or two look out for those kind of numbers coming because that's not a, that's not a false. That's going to be the case. We're going to have $30 million edge rushers. If you play IDPs and you've got defensive players like TJ Watt or Nick Bosa on your roster, you're going to be in trouble soon because 
there's big time money coming to those guys in the next uh, 18 to 24. TJ Watt maybe in the next day, based on what I've seen the Pittsburgh Steelers do to kind of move, maneuver some cap space on their roster. So it's coming. You know, the NFL's getting richer. The rich are getting richer. And superstars will start to really dominate the financials. I mean, it's gonna it's a it's a growing gap. We saw it with the quarterback specifically, where you've got rookies making eight per year and the best veteran making forty five per year. The rookies will slowly come up. You know, we're gonna have a ten million dollar number one overall pick eventually here, but we're gonna have a fifty million dollar player first. First, so the uh, the gaps of these superstar players are really widening right now for every position. You know, we just saw Jamal Adams and the safety approach 18 million a year. We know the cornerbacks are now 20 million plus, and like I said, wide receivers are really, really pushing the envelope here towards that big number. So that's what we'll get to the end of the week in terms of the wide receiver tight ends that could be uh, flipping contracts in the next few months. But let's focus on those running backs here, as I promised. The uh, the breadwinner here is going to be Saquon Barkley. And I know many of you saying, okay, but let's pump the brakes. Major injury. Got to see that he can come back to full health. I think he's done that. I think the Giants have really slow played this thing. And they better because they took a running back number two overall, you know, three drafts ago. And they, they took some flack. It's, there's no value in it at all. There, there's no value in what they did. I mean, that was an $8 million per year running back right out of the gate. And there were many teams who weren't paying $8 million for their entire running back arsenal. It's, it's the decision you make. He's a special player. I think he'll round right back into that form because of the the care and the time that the Giants have given him to recover. I don't think he'll be a major factor the next couple of weeks, the first couple of weeks of the season. I think they're going to continue to slow play him. That's probably coming from his camp, his agency, and the team. Everybody wants to protect this investment because Yes, he's making $8 million a year on average. And yes, they've, you know, there's a fifth year option. So there's time to do what they need to do, right? I mean, he's set to make $4.8 million this year cash wise, and that $7.2 million option next year is dirt cheap. You know, you're talking about $12 million over the next two years. That's pretty incredible value, but it's not typical value for this position. You know, even that's, a high, that's Kareem Hunt money on his veteran contract. So you're not getting outstanding value. With high drafted, you know, running backs. Spoiler: Everybody knows this. I'm I'm not speaking anything new here, but my point is, because of where he started, it, it is inevitable of where he's going to go. So yes, there's been injuries. Yes, he came out of the gate slow back in 2018. So statistically speaking, it's really hard to evaluate him because the production just hasn't been there consistently enough to say, all right, this guy is a slam dunk, 17 million dollar per year running back. You know, he's a pass catcher. He's a three down runner. He's doing everything you want him to do. He's the right person for this league. And over oh, the way, you know, the Giants need him maybe more than anybody else on their roster right now. So all those things are true. But you pump, you pump him into an algorithm and the math spits out 14.8 right now. That's, that's what I get. It's outstanding money. You know, it's more than Delvin. It's more than Alvin. It's, it's, it's right around that group. But it's not surpassing Christian McCaffrey without trying. You know, we have to get there based on the eye test, based on the smell test, based on where he was drafted, based on his importance to this roster. It's going to happen is my point. You know, a long-winded answer of saying, look, he's going to get 16.25 or 16.5 million a year, which is going to be a four-year extension upwards of 65 to 70 million. 
That's what's about to happen here. You're going to tack on four years to the two existing. If that happens sometime during this season, if they wait, now you're talking about the fifth year option plus four or maybe five new years. I imagine they want to, they want to run this thing out no more than six years in total. But based on what we've seen with other running backs, Derek Henry, you know, Delvin Cook, you really don't want to push the envelope past that 28-year age. You just don't. So if if Barkley does it now when he's 24 years old now, you know, and you're tacking on four extra years, that's running you almost to age 30. Now, let's be realistic with all these guys we're going to talk about. We're talking about two years guaranteed, okay? Maybe a third. Maybe Barkley, like CMC, gets his third year fully guaranteed in year two. That's fine. Derrick Henry didn't. Aaron Jones didn't. Aaron Jones basically has a one-year contract with the Packers right now. So we're seeing a variety of ways to restrict running back pay, even if it looks good on paper, right? Even if Aaron Jones looks like the right contract on paper, it's extremely unstable from a guaranteed standpoint. But Barkley came number two overall. Barkley's got explosive ability. And you can say that the time missed means he's he should have more time to get to that ceiling, right? If he's healthy, they have slow played it. He should have three to four ample years to really produce at a high level in this league. Something we're kind of seeing with Zeke Elliott right now. I think a lot of people expect him to really blow out this year and be a huge factor in the NFC and on that Cowboys roster. There were some injured years. There were some bad production years. He should still have juice left in that tank to have a big time year approaching the scary 27, 28, 29 year age for a running back. That's my assessment of Barkley, that the injury might've been a blessing in disguise because he's going to get this money and he's going to show over the next two years during that guaranteed process that it was no mistake. I mean, you know, if he's healthy, 2021, 22, and 23 could be massive Saquon Barkley years from a fantasy standpoint, from a real life standpoint. And of course, you know, when you're grading this contract at some point throughout. So I expect if we're talking right now, you know, if, if they like what they see from a health standpoint and they know, and they, they have the same assessment that I just gave you, then I would do it right now. I would I would tack on four years right now. I'd be fine guaranteeing this year. I'd be fine guaranteeing next year. Maybe I'd guarantee a roster bonus in year three just to make him happy. And then, you know, give yourself some out in 2023 if you absolutely needed to. But knowing this is a three-year contract from age 24, 25, and 26, I'd be okay with that. You know, per game bonuses, things like that to mitigate the injury history. But I'd be perfectly fine with that. And I think, you know, if you get yourself in front of that 27-year age, the one everybody's been talking about with the career in the NFL, it's minimal risk. Sure, he could blow it out, he could blow it out again next year or this year. And, you know, it's a Todd Gurley situation all over again. But this is the kind of guy you take that risk with. So, so the bar is $16 million a year. I, I assume he passes that maybe handedly, right? I mean, CMC was 18 months ago. So maybe handedly he moves past that. I imagine it's a four-year extension if it gets done this year. Guarantee-wise, I mean, let's talk McCaffrey. For all intents and purposes, McCaffrey got four for 64 and change, 38 million of that guaranteed. He's going to see 39 and change of that over the first three years. So if we're talking the three-year deal, 24, 25, 26, same situation that CMC had when he signed his contract. He's getting 39 over three, which is 13 a year. Super tenable. So let's just assume that that could be 42 over three, right? Let's keep it simple. 42 over three. I think that's totally tenable, especially for a Giants roster that 
probably isn't paying Daniel Jones anytime in the next year, right? That's at least two years away, if at all. They did overpay for Kenny Galladay. There's some defensive payments that have to happen here. You know, they made one in Leonard Williams. They brought in a couple of free agents in Bradbury and such last year. But there's money. There's money to move around this organization, and the cap is about to boom in two years. So if they slow play Daniel Jones, which they're perfectly within rights to do, and they let him get to that fifth-year option in 2023 with a huge cap rise, be the perfect time to pay the quarterback then if they're willing to do it, if he's the right guy going forward. My point is it's the right time to pay Saquon Barkley because there's not a lot of measured extensions happening in, in the Giants system around him. Um, yes, there's a health risk, but 42 over the next three, basically fully guaranteed. That's what we're talking about if we're comparing it to the CMC contract. You know, you get to that fourth year, we're talking 51 over four for, for Christian. Still pretty good. <laughs> okay. Still pretty good. And the cash flow is about 12 million each of the last three years on, on McCaffrey's contract. So that to me, there's no reason to do anything but what this is. This is the model contract for your slam dunk, highly drafted running backs. This is it. You know, two and a half years guaranteed, three likely. The fourth year gets a little bit crazy with cap and cash, but where we're going from a, a salary cap standpoint, it should be more than tenable for the Giants to be able to swallow this. So I expect this to happen as soon as both sides feel comfortable about doing so. And this was kind of the easy one to get out of the way here. It really was. If we're talking about dynasty running backs, um, if you own McCaffrey, you know, are you willing to go from 7.8 million to 16.25 million? That's a different conversation. You know, that's, that's fantasy versus real life here. If your salary cap is, is such that you don't want to go north of 10 million per year on your, you know, you know, on your running back situations or your tight end situations, I completely agree with that mindset, but you know, you better hope that whatever you've done over the either six months ago or you can get right now is going to have similar production, whether that's combining two $5 million running backs or a, a brand new rookie with maybe a, you know, a Kareem Hunt to, to combine yourself for about $8 million total to stay where you are in terms of current AAV. But I'd be more comfortable figuring it out otherwise and putting a guy like this at $16 million than I would be trying to piece it together from a fantasy perspective, from a roster perspective, I think a lot of teams are perfectly happy having three running backs that can get the job done versus one running back who they're relying all their eggs in their basket with. So uh, two very different scenarios. Um, it depends on what the rest of your situation looks like. If you're, if you're rolling with Mahomes, <laughs> you know, and I'm not sure many of you are in dynasty, you know, salary cap football, but if you, if you just had a Josh Allen situation hit you in the face, you know, this is not an option for you. You better get out of this Barkley situation now or yesterday because it's going to get ugly fast. But I, I don't think it's an untenable number. Um, but hit me back on that spot, you know, at Spot Trick on Twitter. Let's talk about this a little bit. If, you, if you're a salary cap dynasty fantasy player, you know, are you, are you a McCaffrey owner right now? Obviously, that was rough for you last year if you are. If you took the jump to $16 million with him and he gave you less than half a season. So... There's not a good resume. There's not a good track record for for these high priced running backs paying you back. But I just uh, I'm not off it yet. I'm not totally closed off to these kind of players being assets in fantasy football. So I'll stick with it until I get burned again. I guess let's go to a little bit less profile guy, but I think serious bang for buck. Serious bang for buck. Um, I understand that the Indianapolis Colts have Jonathan Taylor. 
I understand that they brought back Marlon Mack, which I loved. Super, you know, basically a minimum contract to bring back a guy who could lead the league in rushing in the right scenario. But Naheem Hines uh, is sneaky, sneaky good, especially for a, you know, a stretch depth fantasy position. Uh, If you don't know this kid, this is what he did last year. And oh, by the way, I'll give you the I'll give you the three year breakdown on Heinz. Okay. Two hundred and twenty six rushing attempts over the past three years. He's played every every week. He's been active for all forty eight games over the past three seasons. He's averaging four yards a carry. He's got seven rushing touchdowns across the three seasons. Eh, nothing big, right? He's got a hundred and seventy catches for over 1,200 yards and six touchdown, six receiving touchdowns in that time, okay? He put up 130 production points in, in standard fantasy league last year. This kid's a player. Now, yes, he, there was no Marlon Mack, and they slow played Jonathan Taylor's welcome into the NFL. I don't imagine that'll be the same same case. You know, Jonathan Taylor's going to be the two-down back, in my opinion, this year, and Marlon Mack will get a lion's share of that as well. But this kid's going to be the versatile option. This kid is going to be you know, the release pattern for, for Carson Wentz or whoever's, you know, the week one quarterback, he's got a major role in this offense. And that you, you might say, fine, you know, will he continue to do that? I'm not sure that's even the right question to be asking. He's entering a contract year, right? Year four of his fourth round rookie contract. So he kind of came out of nowhere here. And they may now resign him. They may let him walk knowing they have Taylor, if Marlon Mack can keep back in a form, do they extend Marlon Mack versus Hines? It's a question Colts fans will be asking. It's a question fantasy fans should be asking. This is a kid that might take a two for eight extension right now. He might. If Indianapolis is offering something like that, right? A a, a Jamal Williams type Green Bay extension. I know I'm second or third in line here, but I've got real value. So if I can make myself 5 million guaranteed on a small little bridge extension to be on a good team, let's do it. I think that's very possible. So if you're rolling with Hines as your, you know, your slot guy right now, as your flex guy right now at 796K on an average salary, just be mindful that uh, this guy's on my radar for an extension, which means he's probably on you know, the, the organization's radar as well which means it could be 3 million, 4 million, 5 million per year for this guy very, very soon if they think that his role is worth another couple of years in this organization. So just be mindful that that really good value, especially out of the backfield as a receiver, could be going away very soon. I'd still take him at 4 million a year, by the way, from a fantasy option. I think he's done that much damage. 63 catches last year, um, 63 catches his first year. You're not going to have many WR2s at 63 catches this year, so... I uh, I would definitely keep an eyeball on this one, especially if you have him rostered right now. All right, Josh Jacobs. Let's get to some of these rookies. Josh Jacobs will be eligible after this upcoming season for an extension. You know, they brought in Kenyon Drake on a crazy number in Las Vegas this year. Derek Carr is going to open up that offense. He's got some weapons now to work with. Newly drafted wide receivers, certainly Darren Waller. It's going to be a mixed bag. And Josh Jacobs is going to lose touches. There's no question about it. So A, he's going to get expensive next year, most likely. And B, he's going to lose production this year because of the shared efforts. It's, it's probably a good time to shop, Josh Jacobs, in my opinion. I love the player. There may be a better situation for him down the road. 
But I think right now he's getting pinched a little bit. And if they keep him, it's going to cost you. It's going to be probably less production for more money at some point over the next 18 months. And that's probably not good news for you fantasy owners. David Montgomery is a different story, right? Breakout year finally in 2020. Breakout half a year, let's be, let's be honest. Shiny new quarterback coming in. Andy Dalton's going to go by the wayside here sooner rather than later. So Justin Fields, Allen Robinson, David Montgomery, a couple of good tight ends, you know, a beefed up offensive line. There's, there's, a, re- there's a reason to believe, you know, Darnell Mooney, there's reason to believe that this offense can explode at some point. Really? I mean, the young talent is there. It seems like they're being coached up halfway decent and buying in finally. I thought the, the end of 2020 was a really good sign for this team. And Allen Robinson signing that franchise tag was a very good sign for this team. And certainly Justin Fields' ability, a very good sign for this team. Montgomery's going to be eligible after this year, like Josh Jacobs. If he has, you know, if he looks like he did finishing off last season, I think he's a slam dunk to get that extension. So the $1 million average salary for him could turn into Dalvin Cook. That could be 12 and a half, 13 without even trying. So be mindful of that. That's probably coming, especially because rookie quarterback, you know, Allen Robinson, I don't know. He's going to be 22, 23 million a year after all is said and done in 2021. So that'll be a big contract to discuss. And then there's some defensive contracts on that team as well. So there will be some mouths to feed in Chicago, but I do think there'll be room to extend David Montgomery if he's worth that this time next season. So certainly if you're an owner of him, you're happy and you have one more year to be very, very happy with his value, I think. But the, uh, the end is coming soon for his uh, $1 million AAV. Miles Sanders is the, uh, the final piece to this list. $1.3 million average salary right now, up and down injuries, things like that, you know, typical running back stuff. You're losing value with this guy, but look, it's a very similar conversation to the Chicago bears. Jalen Hurts has a chance to come in and step and take over this team. He'll be cheap for the next three years, at least two, before he, you know, he's eligible for his monster extension. They're going to have to rebuild this wide receiver situation, and they've decided to do so through the draft. That's good news for Miles Sanders. That's, that's probably bad news for Miles Sanders' fantasy owners because you know that 1.3 AAV is probably going to jump up. Now, is he... You know, he's not Barkley conversation, not even close at this level. He's not Kamara... I'm not even sure he's Delvin Cook for me right now. He's more in the Mixon range. I think Miles Sanders, Joe Mixon, you know, and even that might be a bit of a stretch. I think I'd have a hard time getting too far north at 10 million per year per year on Miles Sanders right now because of the inconsistency. But if the offense runs through him this year and he takes that stuff forward, that that conversation will change quickly. But that kind of rounds out your top three soon-to-be extension eligibles, right? Josh Jacobs, David Montgomery, Miles Sanders. I think all three have a real good chance of an early contract extension. Montgomery probably has the best chance for me. I think there's, I think if there's a chance Jacobs is on a new team in, in two years versus has $70 million in his pocket in, you know, in two years in terms of a new contract extension. Sanders seems like the second best option to keep his job long-term because it won't break the bank for Philly, who won't be looking to do that over the next couple of seasons. But Montgomery, Sanders, Jacobs may be in that order. And I know that's crazy because Jacobs is clearly the best of the three right now. I just, I, I wonder what the Raiders think about him long-term. It seems like they're starting to push down on him. And, you know, it's not a, it's not a Leonard Fournette situation by any means because there's no real disciplinary issues or anything. It just seems like they're running him into the ground and then they're going to throw him by the wayside and and start over or piece together other pieces that maybe are a little bit more versatile that 
fit the modern day game a little bit. So something to keep an eye on there for sure. But Barkley's probably next. I think it's sooner rather than later here. They're going to, you know, let him finish out the camp in the preseason, understand where he is from a health standpoint. Maybe they uh, collectively say, let's give this thing six weeks of regular season. And at that point, you know, we'll guarantee him three years and, and give him the McCaffrey, uh, the breakdown McCaffrey got with basically a cap adjusted structure, right? 16 and a half a year, 42 over three, all that good stuff. That's probably next in line. Something to keep an eye out for, for sure. All right. Second segment here. I'm going to bring in Corey Leff at John Wall Street for Sportico. Great, great, great reporter. Uh, does a lot of work with data. We, uh, we've referenced him a couple times. We spoke with him quite a bit. And Scott specifically helped him on a project recently where, look, it's been nuts over here. I don't know if you've noticed, but every single sports business situation seems to be happening at the same time, right? The NBA, the NHL, the NFL off-seasons. Major League Baseball had a draft. The NHL had a draft. There's, there's brand new entry-level contracts for that. It's just a heck of a lot going on in every single major big four sport. And that led to a heck of a lot of money being doled out. And that's what Corey Leff kind of uh, dealt with the past week or so. And he's got a great piece for Sportico that we contributed to. Scott really did a lot of great data work. And there's some nice visuals built into this piece that kind of show who, who, which league contributed how, right? Obviously, the NBA had a gigantic last couple of weeks. And... Uh, Scott, myself, and Corey had a quick discussion, just kind of breaking down those numbers, how we got there, what it might mean going forward. And is this the kind of thing we might see again, or is this just a scheduling anomaly, right? Is it because things were truncated and pushed around a little bit? Did we just have a two-week window that was crazy because, because of the COVID situation? Or is it really good news for these big four sports, right? Are, are NHL contracts kind of coming back? Is baseball trying to push more forward, or is there really a competitive imbalance in that league? What does it mean that NFL extensions are being doled out, even though there's big TV money coming in two years? And of course, the NBA, who cyclically, annually almost, has major superstars extending upon extensions. So good, good conversation I had here with Corey and Scott. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Balanced Bridge Funding, providing cost-friendly capital solutions to professional athletes since 2015. Balanced Bridge has dedicated professionals who understand the industry and are ready to customize a repayment plan catered to your client's situation. Borrow wisely and cost-effectively. Avoid broker fees with no prepayment penalties if you pay it back early. Whether your client is under contract and needs a bridge against guaranteed earnings, a free agent looking to invest or make a purchase on earnings from the next contract, or looking to borrow for any other reason, let Balanced Bridge get a look, provide a solution, and be a resource for you and your client. Visit balancebridge.com today. That's balancebridge.com. All right. First time having this guy on board, but uh, we've been reading his pieces for a while now. I know Scott's enjoyed his work as well, and we've enjoyed the Sportico experience as well. This is Corey Leff, John Wall Street at Sportico. You can read him, you can listen to him, and certainly you can find some interesting nuggets like this one that we contributed to. Scott Allen's here with him. Corey, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. This was fun. You kind of reached out last week and, and kind of piggybacked off some things we were pushing out there, and I know your, your partners at, Sparta, at Sportico we're kind of running some things up and down the flagpole in terms of just how crazy this past really two weeks has been from a sports financial situation. And we kind of helped crunch some of those numbers as interesting as you hoped it would be, or is this just going to be like a one-off? 
Uh, no, you know, I thought in terms of working with you guys, I hope it's a regular thing. Um, <laughs> you know, in terms of setting records, uh, I, I'm not sure. I, I'll let you guys tell me, but it, you know, it certainly seems like with the NFL cap rising is as much as people think it's going to over the next couple of years, that maybe this is a, a conversation we could be having again sooner than later. Yeah, Scott, you and I kind of talked about this internally, right? As it was happening, like, you know, because we're both trying to have vacations with our family right now and, and you know, be able to sit back and relax a little bit in the, in the dog days of summer here, which is generally what we can do. But the, the, the changes in the schedules, the, the league's trying to truncate things and get everything in at once and try to have some normalcy as well. It's really pushed July slash August into just the, the mecca of sports business, right? It really has. And, you know, the, the numbers that we were referring to with, you know, NBA agreements and signings and NHL uh, free agency and, you know, extensions as the free agency ramped up and some of the NFL uh, extensions, yeah. it, it doesn't it doesn't include all of the movement at the tra- uh, Major League Baseball trade deadline. Right. So from our standpoint, from the traffic it was unbelievable the amount of traffic that we had over that two week span. The, the numbers that were reflecting and that Corey's reflecting in the the piece is just overall value of what had been agreed to and signed. And so it, it definitely was a perfect storm of the big four all colliding at the same time. And by the way, I should preface the reason we're all here and, and the piece that we're talking about and referring to is the piece that Corey worked on for Sportico, it's in the newsletter. So if you subscribe to the free newsletter and you get that on a daily basis, you'll be seeing this in its full entirety. And we'll certainly tweet out to that as well from our accounts. Uh, really enjoyed kind of breaking down some of these numbers. Scott, you did most of the, the, the legwork on this. Um, let me put it this way, and then I'll have Corey kind of answer from his angle as well. Was anything abnormal with any of these sports because of the truncated season, because of the rising caps in many of these leagues, because of Major League Baseball's looming strike. Let's just put that elephant out there. Um, or, or is it just that they all happened together so the numbers collectively were huge? Do you know what I mean? Like, like is NBA bigger than it should be right now? Or was the NHL bigger than it should be right now when you were running these trends? The easy answer is the, the values that we're seeing are higher than they have been in the last two years because of coming off of the pandemic and not wanting to sign as much. But with that being said, the NFL is just coming off of that new CBA. The NBA is close to a new CBA in a couple of years. Major League Baseball has a new CBA coming up. And the NHL, they just agreed to a new CBA. Right. So I think it's it's sort of an overlap of trying to – trying to sign players now and extend players now before a CBA concludes. And now that we have an influx of money because we have a new CBA, a new TV deal, you know, with the NFL and then the NHL with ESPN and TNT influx of money and and starting to spend again, because they know that money is going to be coming in. It's a really interesting overlap. Yeah. So two leagues trying to play catch up, two leagues trying to get in before the gun kind of, right? Right. Exactly. Corey, what was your kind of takeaway? Because you're more of the, uh, you know, the editorial side of this, not so much the numbers of it like we, we live with. Um, just what's your general takeaway to the past couple of weeks in terms of sports business? Uh, well, you know, certainly just the overarching you know, thesis here that, you know, teams and leagues are just not at all concerned about the kind of one year blip we just went through. Right. That they're, uh, you know, extremely bullish on the future of the sports business. And, and obviously uh, that's reflected in the being. 
the NHL team starting to sign, you know, significant deals again. You know, we haven't seen those types of deals over the last couple of years in the club. And perhaps uh, that's a result of the ESPN and, and Turner deals. We've seen every quarterback that, you know, gets a monster deal, the next one gets an even bigger one. But Allen, you know, didn't pass Mahomes. And, and perhaps if he had was in a better negotiating position, he, he would have. So I thought that was kind of fascinating as well. Yeah, there's no question that every league is kind of standing on their own together. But collectively, this was just one of those power periods, I think, as, as, as the article kind of alludes to. I wonder how the agents feel. I know you've spoken to a few of those agents, Corey. Do the agents feel like it's the right time to strike or for, you know, specifically with like major league baseball, I I mentioned this, you know, the CBA negotiations that are going to be messy. I I wonder if you've had any experience with any of these agents out there or even the players out there, how are they feeling heading into the situation they're about to head into? Because yes, it seems like leagues are ready to spend, but should players want to cash in right now, knowing there could be so many changes over the next 18 months? Well, I didn't talk to uh, to any uh, baseball agents for this story. I talked to a basketball right. agent and, and talked to Lee Steinberg on the football side. Um, but you know, generally speaking, uh, you know, they, they felt like this was the time for players to be cashing in. Um, there's the you know the leagues and teams are are very confident uh, that the caps and revenues will continue to grow and and there and there's you know money to be taken. So um, you know it's certainly neither of the agents we spoke to were, were talking about having their players kind of uh, you know hold off or or take shorter deals at this point. Scott, is anything that just happened something that should stick around? Like, was the later free agency for basketball a positive in any way or a negative in any way? You know, Major League Baseball's draft is always so weird that it's just in the middle of the season. And, you know, there's players that are added to rosters from a minor league standpoint that barely are, are attached to their professional team for so long. Um, should any of this stick in terms of the past, I guess, even the past two years, you know, the changes that have had to happen to force the hand? Has any of this been positive for you? Mm, you can't say shorter seasons by the way that's the easy answer all these leagues should have shorter seasons (laughs) right shorter season for sure no i think especially looking at the numbers all it did was shift july 1 through july 14 to august 1 through you know august 14 or whatnot so all it did was really shift for this year all the numbers you know nba and nhl they still kept themselves right around the same time this year as they do around that July time as well. Um, you know, the NFL has treated themselves as operating in March and the numbers reflect operating in March, but I, I don't think having a later free agency period, at least in the, in the NBA would benefit them unless they were, you know, wanting to shift their season more or move the but draft from around, all indications everything's about, right? going back to normal yeah, yeah. everything's going to go back to normal from all indications yeah i think that's right uh Corey, something you mentioned there interestingly was and we deal with it a lot too as we talk to some of these people many of these agents work multi multi-sport so i have to imagine this was a battle for them dealing with you know players in a couple different leagues at the exact same time that's probably not good business for them they like to have things in their own sort of windows yeah, sure. I, I I don't know how much overlap there it was. Um, you know, a lot of the agencies kind of have you know different you know they're big agencies and they have yeah. kind of different departments for different sports. So I don't know how many individual agents are working on 
uh, you know, multiple, uh, you know, multiple sports at the same time. But I guess one of the things that I would suggest is not suggest, but one of the things that I took note of was the length of the deals um, and, and the ability for NBA players to kind of cash in because they're taking short deals. And so they're up for new deals every couple of years as the cap rises, as opposed to like a player like Mahomes who signed, you know, a 12 year deal. So, uh, you know, perhaps we see some of the other leagues taking a look at what the NBA players have done and say, Hey, maybe it's our best interest to be signing shorter deals. Yeah. It's really fascinating because that's the, really the only league outside of the NHL, which is really, you know, heavily fourth on this list in terms of the big four. The NBA is the only league that has a slotted situation for contracts, right? There's a maximum length. There's a maximum, uh, you know, percentage of cap. It's basically slotted. And yet, and and Scott and I have found this more and more, there's still so much interest, right? There's still so much interest in, because the salaries are so big, because the players are so popular and well-known that you're right. Every couple of years, Kevin Durant does something contractually. It's still huge news in, in the NBA. People don't get bored of it. And I wonder if that's a trend that will carry through or carry over in any any regard, because, you know, if you've done any, any kind of work on the NFL money, Corey, it is just it's basically every man for himself. <laughs> it could be any size, any shape, any length. It can be restructured at any point in time. It can be basically whatever it wants to be. And that's what makes it so difficult. But uh, I, I, I think the complexity of the NFL probably makes it hard to root for from a financial standpoint. And I wonder if if you've experienced that at all from your end making it harder to root for from a fan standpoint even just follow you know what i mean like just the cap and cash and the length of contracts you know mahomes is on a 12-year contract but you know lamar jackson might take a four-year contract just the 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 variance of it all and how it yes it might total up to a lot of money but i i wonder if if the complexity of and the fluidity of the nfl makes it difficult to follow from a fan standpoint i don't know if it makes it difficult to follow um you know but i think you're onto something in terms of the nba and the fact that you know, there's so much player movement, uh, and these, and, and we're seeing the big stars in the news every couple of years. Certainly lends to that idea that, and and you know, we've been talking about the NFL kind of being, you know, this 12 month year, you know, 12 month league, um, and how you know the draft has become this big off season event. But you kind of have the same thing in the NBA. Uh, the, the draft is big, but you know, the summer free agent period is as big or big, right? And so, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I don't know that it makes it harder from a from a perspective to follow, but I think it certainly there's some certainly something to the fact that NBA free agency is is a marquee event, and if you had players on the market more often, um, your off season would be you know generating more headlines. I hope baseball even or, or even more headlines, I should say. Yeah, no, 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 no doubt about that. Uh, last thing, and I'll get you out of here, and we'll we'll make sure this piece gets posted all around because it's a great piece. Sure. The Obviously, all of this is driven from television or streaming or rights or networks or broadcasts, however you want to kind of say it in these day and age. It comes from so many angles. Um, Are any of these sports struggling in that, like truly struggling in that regard? You guys do franchise valuations at Sportico. There's really a lot involved with the financial side, you know, in your company, Corey, and you're a big part of that. You know, we hear, we, we see the daily, you know, ratings thrown around on Twitter. We see, you know, you know, the NBA's in trouble because China's out on the NBA. We see Major League Baseball is a regional sport now. Um, you know, and but all of that contributes to what we're talking about here, which is $5.2 billion over a two-week span. Because from our standpoint, at least, from Spotrack's standpoint, the money looks great. It looks either as good or better than ever for all four of these major sports. But from the top down, from where the money actually comes from, is anybody really in trouble 
That's a good question. I don't think anybody was really in trouble. You know, and, and so I actually read through like a, a deep study on this last night. And you kind of have to talk about it in two different pools. Uh, because on the national front, in, in terms of national rights, there's no shortage of interested bidders. And so we continue to see rights climb for all sports, for every league, or at least all the tier one properties. And, and, and that's seemingly going to continue because you have uh, not just all of your uh, you, you know, your traditional linear broadcaster of all these digital entrants, right? So, so on a national perspective, you know, everybody's doing just fine and, and is expected to continue to do fine. The question I think you have as it relates to broadcast rights is on the local level, because uh, while you have, while there are a lot of players on, uh, for national rights, you're seeing consolidation of RSNs and such. And so, you know, the fewer players there are, the fewer bidders there are, and, and the less bidders there are, the less competition there is for the rights, and the rights go down. So, you know, we've seen this happen in Europe. If you look at the European soccer leagues, the rights are flat or declining in every single league because there's just not the same number of cable providers or, or cable you know, operators that are that are bidding on these rights. Uh, so, you know, again, I, I think that the big money, and particularly for like a league like the NFL, where all, almost all the money is national, um, you know, there's no problems at all. But you get you look at a league like baseball and you wonder, um, and really I, you could say the same thing, I think, although the NBA has a huge national, a huge national deal, um, so it may not be as impactful on the NBA. But, you know, if, if what, what happens to sports rights over the next, you know, two, three decades. And uh, if they come down, what does that mean to team finances? Right. Yeah. Is there a breaking point between what happens from that, that regard and then what happens in terms of player contracts and all that stuff? It, it, we've been talking about that quite a lot with these NBA salaries getting to where they are. And honestly, you know, NFL is getting there. So, somebody's going to be $50 million per year in the NFL in the next 18 months. It's just going to happen. You know, is that too much, especially with 60 man rosters? We're going to have to find out. That's kind of what, what our goal is over the next couple of years. Scott, any last thoughts here? Yeah, I do. I want to piggyback on his comment about, uh, you know, the NBA re-ups every four or five years, depending on the contract structure. You know, imagine if the NFL or even Major League Baseball did something similar where your quarterbacks actually got to free agency. Can you imagine the you right. know, the market, the, the, the frenzy? NFL already has a crazy frenzy as it is, and, and our numbers that we track – for users come to our site, tell us that. But imagine if quarterbacks actually got to the market or Mike Trout or Bryce Harper or any of those guys that signed 14, 13-year deals actually got to a market three or four times like Durant has or, you know, LeBron has. The the values of contracts, I don't even want to know what those would be at because – or maybe I do want to know what it would be at because these, these players would be re-upping and it's not necessarily a, a next man up with having to run it through restructures or extensions. Right. They're actually physically getting to a market and then you're going to have teams bidding for those players and you really would get a, a, a strong idea of what their market value would be from a, a, a full league. Yeah, I mean, most of these sports don't even take advantage of free agency. They don't even bother with it. You exactly. Know what I mean? Like the baseball yep. situation, it's not even a TV show. <laughs> you know what I mean? It just sort of happens December 1st and, and you have to kind of, you know, look for it to find it. But yeah, very differences. But look, when they all come together, good things happen and plenty of dollars get thrown around. Again, we'll push yes. this piece out. Corey, great work on this. 
He's John Wall Street on, on Sportico. There's plenty of work being pushed out by him on a daily basis, uh, including his stock valuations. All, you do a lot of work over there, man. They got you working pretty hard. Yeah, they do. <laughs> no, I, I love it, though. It's great. Uh, and I appreciate you guys making time for me and providing all the data and insight. Um, it really much appreciated. Love to partner up with guys like you. No question about it. We'll be uh, in touch soon, man. Thank you. Absolutely, Thank you. guys. Talk soon. All right. That's at John Wall Street on Twitter. You can find him at Sportico. We push his stuff out quite a bit. He's a good guy in the business, no doubt about it. And he's a hard worker. So we, uh, we love to feed him numbers whenever possible.